0: This is SportsCenter.
1: Good morning, I'm Doug Brown with breaking news. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports there are three more positive COVID-19 tests for the Tennessee Titans. One player and two staffers. That brings the team total to 16 positive tests. Tomorrow's Titans-Steelers game in Nashville was already postponed until later this month. The Heat played better in Game 2, even without the injured Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic, but the Lakers win it 124-114. to LeBron James with 33 points, Anthony Davis 32 for Lakers coach Frank Vogel. They're both willing
2: passers, so sometimes they're feeding each other, sometimes they're destroying their own man. You know, and Sometimes they're, they're making the extra pass to, to the open man. You know, both have that uh, that elite ability to score and to read defense. So, um, again, a big reason, those two were, were huge tonight and a big reason for the win.
1: The Lakers with a 2 0 series lead, game three Sunday on ABC TV and ESPN radio. The National League Division Series matchups are now set. The Padres advance, beating the Cardinals 4 0. The Padres will now move on to play the Dodgers. The Marlins sweep the Cubs with a 2-0 win in Game 2. The Marlins move on to play the Braves. Baseball Hall of Famer Bob Gibson has died. He played his entire 17-year career with the Cardinals, winning two World Series titles. He announced last year he had pancreatic cancer. Gibson was 84. College football Friday night, Number 22 BYU beats Louisiana Tech 45-14 coming up monday on the max kellerman show nba finals weekend a week four nfl weekend and playoff baseball the max kellerman show on espn radio and the espn app
0: And voice for racing and breeding in the mid Atlantic on the web at theracingbiz.com on the radio on ESPN Richmond. It's off to the races. Here's Nick Hahn.
3: You know, my feet never moved so well than Scat Daddy's. That's Cab Calloway. We're playing Cab Calloway on Preakness Day in October to open our show with a couple of great calls there from tom durkin who gave us the call of the 2005 preakness with jeremy rose aboard a fleet alex in the scrap T, the scrap at the top of the stretch one of the more amazing preaknesses that were that was ever run and then of course the big chase with Curlin and street sense coming down the stretch a tremendous call there by tom durkin uh Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us on Off to the Races. Yeah, Scat Daddy, Cab Calloway. He wasn't born in Baltimore. He was born in Rochester, New York, but he lived in Baltimore, and one of the things he did among uh, selling newspapers and shining shoes is he cooled down horses at Pimlico Racecourse. So as uh, we look for these new songs across the Triple Crown and state songs everywhere, maybe... Uh, uh, scat the original scat daddy uh, might have a candidate that we could use but uh, just want to give you a little bit of a lineup on today's show we'll have an interview with ken mcpeak frank vespe caught up with ken mcpeak yesterday and so we'll have that one that one's previously recorded but pretty relevant as swiss skydiver tries to become the sixth philly to win the preakness the last one was rachel alexandra back in 2009 Um, so swiss skydiver has a pretty good chance that mcpeak was uh, toying with that all in september and um, here she is uh, with an opportunity to to become the sixth filly to win the preakness we'll talk with ken mcpeak i mentioned we'll talk with jeremy rose of course we'll have derby bill watson and we'll have daryl wood here Just in a few moments, just a couple other notes. I I can't get away from this Cab Calloway thing when I found that out yesterday. He's actually played some professional basketball in Baltimore as well with the Baltimore Athenians and uh, just was an avid fan of racing. He uh, went to Charlestown, uh, even got a speeding ticket and tried to bribe a police officer in the 50s uh, on his way to Charlestown. He was... uh, grew up in the Druid Hill area uh, there in western Baltimore so uh, uh, yeah scat daddy there want to turn to Daryl Wood here he's a little bit further south in the Shenandoah Valley where there there is live racing today it's betless it's fanless but it's uh, full of purse money and that's what the Harness Horsemen are looking for and Daryl now joins us on Off to the Races good morning Daryl good morning Nick happy Preakness Day yeah, happy Preakness Day. Uh, working perhaps with a little bit of a delay this morning. So if I'm a little slow to respond here and there, uh, we'll try and catch up. But, uh, yeah, it looked like another great day of racing in terms of conditions uh, up there. I saw William Carter uh, won, uh, I think, three races I saw last uh, yesterday. Uh, yeah, tell us about the weekend racing yesterday and what's in front of us today.
4: Yeah, I know it's Preakness Day and you want to get to get to that chase, but it's our for harness guys. It's the biggest day of the season. It's our uh, Virginia Breeders' uh, Champions Day, where you kind of celebrate the Virginia breeding industry as far as uh, standard Reds go. We've got eight races of the sixteen scheduled today that are Virginia Breeders' races. Our purses today were just under four hundred thousand dollars, so it's a big day. Uh, People have obviously raised horses, bred horses, and and this is where the two and three year olds come to uh, race and. They'll be going for about a $40,000, 45000 purse in those eight races. So it's clear as a bell here. I'm standing trackside with mountain ranges on, on both sides of me, and it's uh, you got to love it just this time of year, and, and to be here uh, seeing live racing uh, is exciting
3: standing between the Alleghenies and the blue ridge there i've been paying a little bit of attention to the racing there, trying to pick up the calls for uh for my big day there on october 16th uh no weather not a factor anywhere on the east coast whether it's kentucky at uh, keeneland where they have a big day of racing up in new york uh, they have a big day of racing as well uh, we got plenty of racing of course at pimlico where it's all stakes uh, there's there's not a maiden claimer on the card, so uh, just a perfect condition of uh, uh, the meet so far. You know who who is who is on top, who has performed, and maybe you know what have been some of the achievements and disappointments of the meet?
4: Yeah, I mean you mentioned uh, Bill Carter, but we've had uh, you know a big assortment of folks coming in, not just from Virginia but from all over. The big news today is that um, we got one of the top drivers in the country. Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> coming in here to race, uh, Montreal Teague, who was authored a 146 mile, the fastest mile ever in harness racing history. 29 years old. He's won the Little Brown Jug. He's won the Meadowlands Pace. He's won every major race there is to win. Uh, he's coming to Virginia today specifically to drive a horse named Pride of Windswept, the trotter in a $45,000 race. So, uh, there's some excitement here today. Bill Popfinger a hall of famer in racing, he's got a stable base here this year. So, little by little, uh, Shenandoah Downs here at the the fairgrounds and in the, the small town of Woodstock in the valley is uh, attracting some names, and uh, you, you know you get people that are breeding horses that are just getting into the business here in Virginia with some of these great veterans, and it's uh, you know it's kind of a neat environment. It's uh, you know it, we don't have fans this year, as you mentioned, but come next year, really encourage folks to to make a trip out here, enjoy it. It's, it's definitely old school. Uh, the facility here is a hundred, four, years old and it, it brings you back in time, which is, which is not a bad thing.
3: I'm always amazed at, the uh, Amish or Mennonites that are, there claiming horses, uh, to, to take back with them. That's just, that, it's just not something you see at any regular racetrack. Well, Daryl, we appreciate you coming on not only today, but all year long. This is, uh, where we, uh, you know, pull up here on off to the races for the season our last show of the season but appreciate all the work that you've done all year long not only on the harness side but on the thoroughbred side visiting the farms keeping us up to date on the steeplechase racing uh in the leadoff position almost every uh, week of the show every saturday of the season and we appreciate the work that you've done.
4: Yeah, Nick, I'll finish it today by saying it is our biggest day of the year, and we are bringing in a special race caller from Pennsylvania today to call the races, Dylan Doherty and he is 10 years old. So on our biggest day of the year, we're bringing in a 10-year-old race
3: caller. So we're going to have some fun here today. Yeah, we look forward to hearing that, and good luck to Dylan there uh, as he calls the races. It's not as easy as it looks, and I think I may find out the hard way, but I'm, I'm gearing up for it. I'm practicing. Thanks, Daryl. Uh, much obliged. got it. Yeah. Great. Daryl Wood joining us from uh, central of Woodstock, just off I-81 uh, there at Shenandoah Downs. ShenandoahDowns.com for all of your um, harness of uh, Racing news and and results entries for um, for the meet there at Woodstock. Just wanted to give a shout out for an event next Saturday. While I won't be here uh, talking about racing on, off to the races this morning. I'll be up at Horseshoe Hill where they will be conducting their pony swim. You know, think Chinkatig, think Mitzi. Uh, I bet a horse by the name of Mitzi might win that thing. That's who I'm betting on. But this this is a great event. This is going to be hosted by the James River Horse Foundation at Horseshoe Hill, and uh, they're going to, if you remember the duck drop that they used to do in the James River, maybe they still do it, um, they, uh, they're they going to do a, a pony equivalent to it at Stag Creek. Uh, they're just outside of Horseshoe Hill in Ashland, and you can participate by sponsoring a pony for as little as ten dollars you can sponsor a pony and uh they have if you sponsor more you can get a break on uh, the number of ponies you can get fifty dollars we'll get you six ponies and they're going to drop them from the bridge and see which one swims and uh, i'll actually be calling the action from stag creek um next saturday so to find out more this is such a good program it benefits former racehorses that are at the State Farm Work Center there in Goochland, and um, they have twenty-eight horses out there, retired race horses that they are retraining. And the offenders of the institution work with these these horses, and it provides not only a new outlook for the horses, but certainly for the um, offenders that participate in the program. It's it's a beneficial program, and I can uh, I can attest. I went through a similar program, not at James River, but uh, you know, did some work with horses in, in a very similar manner up at Montpelier, and it's very rewarding. It is very beneficial, so there is an opportunity there to to become part of it. And you can do that. It's it's a you know for charity and, and fundraising. It's a tough year. You can't hold events. Uh, but here's a a way that you can participate in a beneficial program. You'll hear more about this not only on the Racing Biz, but on ESPN Richmond during the week um, leading up to the event. So the Pony Drop will be, I want to say it's noon on Saturday, uh, again up there at Horseshoe Hill. You can find out more at jamesriverhorses.org. That website again is jamesriverhorses.org backslash events, or click on the events tab. You can find out all about sponsorship, I encourage you to do that. We're going to talk here uh, about Swiss skydiver who is the Philly uh, running against the boys in the Preakness today, and. Our own Frank Vespi had an opportunity to catch up with Ken McPeak. Uh, we were chasing Ken last week, perhaps, uh, to, to try and talk about Swiss Skyber Dent. Then, obviously, on a morning like today, where the first race is 45 minutes from now, <laughs> a stakes race, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be lucky to keep Derby Bill on the air that long because uh, he'll want to get to uh, his screen and watch the... Um, the Selmana, the Selmina, uh, which will be the first stakes race a mile in a 16th here at 11 o'clock. But Frank Vespy had an opportunity to catch up with Ken McPeak yesterday. And here is his interview, uh, talking to the trainer of Swiss skydiver.
5: After the Alabama, I read that you, you were already discussing the Preaknesses being on the radar for this filly. When did you first start thinking, maybe we want to aim at the Preakness with her? And what is it that made you decide to go in that direction?
2: You know um she she jumped through about every hoop we've ever asked her to and um her race in the bluegrass was respectable and um we felt like you know th- that to do the not the triple crown nomination was the cost was cut in half because of the coronavirus pandemic so we thought well that's a small price to pay for you know an opportunity to to perhaps try if she continued to move forward and i think um other than a couple of races well she was second in the bluegrass second in the oaks of course but if she knocks out those impressively then we we wanted it as an option uh, you could make a case that there was a reason how she could have won those other races but um she's obviously a really talented philly and on the sheet she fits and and uh it's a historic race it's a lot of fun and and uh we like doing those kind of things peter callahan and i
5: now, she she obviously mentioned she lost to Art Collector in the Bluegrass, and now you have to contend with Art Collector again and with Authentic, who won the Kentucky Derby. How do you turn the tables on a horse like that?
2: I think the pace of the race in the Bluegrass, we went a little quick early. Um, she went 46-1 and one the first half mile, and I do think that she, do, she does her better running when she goes around 48 for the half. And... Um, I think that the early speed in that race that she showed, she didn't have the punch in the finish. She, she simply just should have taken a look. We should have rated a little bit better, but um, hindsight 2020. And then in the Oaks, I think if we'd stayed inside, we win that race. Um, you know, uh, fortunately they don't let me or you ride them. So, but um, <laughs> you know, the, those, those tactics I think got her beat and, and um, you know, she, she runs really good figures and, We studied it, and she fits against. She's what third choice, and that's certainly with a chance.
5: Yeah, no, she certainly fits. I I don't think there's any question about that. You're you're going to be the first uh, first filly really in with a shot since Rachel Alexandra in 2009, and we know how that turned out. Now, one of the things you just mentioned, I think, is interesting. You said you and and you talked about this after the Alabama as well that that you really want to sort of aim at you know 47 and four, 48 for the half mile with her. So that likely means that in, in this race and the Preakness, you're sitting off the pace. You're a few lengths off it. Is that, is that the game plan?
2: Well, I, I think we need to focus in on how our, our horse runs best as opposed to trying to tackle others and predict what others are going to do. Um, does that leave us vulnerable? I think everybody's always vulnerable to a speed horse that nobody goes with. But at what stage do you go and, um, you don't sacrifice your finish for, for where you are early and, um, you know, that's what horse racing is all about. That's the tricky part of of (laughs) horse racing is that you know, trying to figure the pace, um, and you can't, you really can't try to guess it. you have to let your horse get in a nice rhythm and we're, um, we're going to try to hit that. And like anything, it's, it's a game of failure, but, um you know, if she gets to run her race, if she'll run back to the speed figures that she ran in the Alabama and she, of course she won that in the canner, Um, then I think she's right there. Certainly not all of it, but certainly part of it.
5: Now, as a trainer, we're talking with Kenny McPeak here, trainer of Swiss skydiver, the Philly who is, uh, six to one on the morning line for Saturday's Preakness stakes obviously you're aware of the history of Rachel Alexander being the first Philly in 85 years to, to win the Preakness and you, you're not the first one to race since, but you're probably the first one with a legitimate chance to win this race. Um, what, how do you, does that, is that stuff that you think about at all or, or are you too focused on your horse and not
2: worrying about sort of the historical aspects? I hadn't really thought about the historical aspect. Um, you know, you, you get a good horse like her. You get your options in front of you from one race to the next, and and you try not to plan too far ahead. But if they take you there, you certainly think about where you're going. But like in her case, she you know she wins the Alabama, she wins the or she runs in the Oaks and she runs well like we expected her to. Then what do you do? We we if they had written a three year old Philly race of the Similar distance as the uh, as the Preakness or even at a mile and an eighth, Grade One, then that would have gotten their attention. Well, they don't write that race. That race it doesn't exist on the calendar. Um, we had three choices. We could run in the Spinster against older fillies and mares. Um, we could run against three year old fillies on the grass, or we could run against three year old colts on the dirt at a distance we know she likes. Um, the dist- or the purse for the Preakness is a million. The purse for the Spinster was four hundred. And the purse for the QE two is five hundred. So, I mean, these are high level problems. I mean, every horse tree wishes they had these problems every year. Um, and and Peter Peter Callahan and I discussed it. And you know, look, we're we're swing for the fence kind of guys. We we believe that you, know, you buy horses to race them and you buy horses to run in the big races. And and um, it's not outlandish. And let's go. Let's do it. Let's see if we can pull off something historic and. Um, you know, I don't stay awake at night trying to prove something historic, but the situation does kind of fall in line with that. And we're looking we're really fortunate. She's a $35,000 yearling. She's been nothing but a dream to be around. And, um, she's taken us places that, that at one point we never thought we'd go with her and, um, we're having fun with it. And that's what it's all about. That's what makes the sport great. It's all gravy. I mean, after the broker made made and easy, it was like, oh, we got we got a good one here. Let's have some fun, and that's what we're doing.
5: Uh, it's uh, always nice to see somebody uh, buy a horse for for relatively short money, and then turn around and have a have a horse like Swiss Skydivers turned out to be one of the things. Uh, and folks should give Kenny a follow on Twitter at Kenny McPeak. I saw the video you posted on Twitter the other day of Swiss Skydiver walking the shed row at Pimlico, and and uh the 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 point you were making is that each time she came to a gap you know where she could look out she would stop and look around and kind of check out the scene and then go okay on to the next one stop look around same thing at each gap and i'm curious what what does that tell you about her
2: that she that she does that well she's she's extremely intelligent she's a, a horse that that um is inquisitive
6: and um
2: Aware of her, aware of her surroundings and, um, it's neat stuff. Um, thank goodness she would stop at every gap because otherwise she was going to walk me into the ground. I mean, I was, <laughs> she, she, she literally races by, at at the walk from gap to gap. It's, it's hilarious. And then she wants to stop and look and kind of check everybody out. who's standing there and then goes to the next gap and does the same thing. And, um, you know, wh- wh- much more intelligent than people give him credit for and, Certainly, um, a horse of her caliber—they um, have to be smart to, to get where they are—and she just is just, just a real interesting filly to be around. Real, real pleasure.
5: What kind of a day is it going to be like for you on Saturday as a trainer? I mean, you've got a bunch of horses in at Keeneland this weekend, but only the one in Baltimore. So it, it's got to be a little bit of a—I uh, would think a little bit of a sort of a strange day, a, a different kind of rhythm to your day.
2: Um, I've done it many times over the years. I ran in my first Preakness in 1995. Um, I don't know if that makes me old or experienced. <laughs> let's um, go with experienced. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. The um, the time you spent here is. I mean, we we you know, we go out early. I mean, Robbie Alvarado's been going with me. And we we leave the bar or the hotel at five o'clock, and we go take care of her and you know get her out, clean her up, you know, gallop her, train her, walk her, hose her uh, feeder. Um, then late mornings, it's, it's chill time, which is right now. And we're just kind of chilling and our wives are flying in a little bit later. So, so we're excited to get the girls up here and then, um, race day's pretty simple and we're, we're going to push the timing of, um, her getting out a little bit. She's just going to walk in the morning and we will, um, probably find some place to have a nice lunch. There's no crowd to worry about over there. And, and, uh, The owner of the Philly is arriving, and we'll spend some time with him. And, you know, to be real, actually, it's a pretty relaxing day. It's not, um, the the hard work's done. Um, (laughs) I'll leave it up to Robbie from there. And, um, you know, we've got to just hope we get lucky and she runs a race. And that's really all we can. Somebody asked me, what's, you know, do you feel a lot of pressure? And um, my answer to pressure has always been, Pressure's 15 really bad horses in the dead of winter at Turfway Park and a client that won't pay me. (laughs) (laughs) And trying to figure out how to pay your staff. I've been there. I've been there. I really have. I had had that happen years back when I was a young trainer and, and that, you know, was gut wrenching and that, you know, couldn't, how am I going to pay the bill? I'm going to pay my feed man, my tack man, my help. And, um, this is this is the high level part of the game, and it's a uh, it's a lot of fun, and and um, it's something we'll, we'll we'll enjoy every moment.
5: It's definitely the good stuff. Last question, I'll let you go, Kenny McPeak, trainer, of Swiss skydiver. It's actually an interesting story behind the name Swiss skydiver, and I wonder if you'd share that with our listeners.
2: Yeah, uh, Peter Callahan has um, has what well, he named him. Um, named her after the uh one of his granddaughters and she went to um Switzerland and went skydiving and of course she's by Daredevil and you can put the math together there to <laughs> a skydiver. So so um Callie Raznick is Peter's granddaughter and Callie's who the Phillies named after. <laughs>
5: It's a great story. I think, uh, I think a lot of women are going to be rooting for Swiss Skydiver, and a lot of skydivers will be rooting for Swiss Skydiver. So it yeah. should be a fun day on Saturday for the Preakness. Kenny, thanks for joining us here on Off to the Races Radio, and really good luck with her. I think everybody's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of people have tickets on other horses and other rooting interests, but I think everybody's going to have uh, Swiss Skydiver as one of the horses they wouldn't mind seeing
2: win. Well, I hope hope they do, and I hope she comes through for them. It's it's fun, and it's going to be a great race.
3: Yeah, Swiss Skydiver, uh, the four-horse. well bred and Ken McPeak, great interview there with Frank Vespi. McPeak won the 2013 Virginia Derby with War Dancer and uh, was out here. He's always been a pretty good supporter of Colonial Downs and, the, and especially in that three year old turf division that Colonial once uh, mastered uh, nationally here uh, with the Virginia Derby. We're going to bring in Frank Vespi who just uh, conducted that interview. Frank, good work there. It's, uh, it was great that Kent. Uh, Found some time to speak with us before such a big race. Uh, You know what's what's your take on uh, Swiss? Swiss? (laughs) I I knew I was going to buy. She had Swiss skydivers uh, opportunity here. uh, While she, you know, generally these horses. When on the front end, the Phillies when they run against the boys, it's maybe I don't know how true it is. It's just kind of an observation of mine. The uh, the exception, of course, was yada who did it the completely different way. But th- there seems to be a lot of early speed here uh, in the race. She'll, it will be this race will be so different from the Derby, where Authentic pretty much could go out there by himself. Uh, Authentic will be there, Swiss Skydiver. You know what? What do you make of her chances here?
7: Well, Nick, good to be with you, and happy uh, Happy Preakness to start with. Uh, always a great sure. day of, uh, of racing and betting and, and watching the races, so we're excited for that. Um, you know, I, I think that the two interesting takeaways for me from that interview with Kenny, uh, one was, and it was, as you said, it was generous of him to spend some time with us uh, the day before a big race like this, but one was, was that... Uh, you know, he kind of said, well, you know, she may not get all of it, but, but we think she get a piece of it. So that yeah, I, I don't think that changes their tactics per se, but I, I think that they're kind of going in here thinking running 2-3 would be pretty good, and, and obviously it would be pretty good. But I think they're kind of feeling like um, she needs some things to really go right to win you know she can if she runs her race she should be there at the end but she would need some stuff to really happen for her to win the other takeaway i I had was and we talked about you know he said that she he believes she runs her best race when she um is able to go and say 47 and 4 48 48 and 1 as she did in the alabama as she did in the Kentucky Oaks, but as he said, she kind of took the overland route, and that might have cost her the race. And and I said, well, does that mean you're going to take back here? Because I don't think you're going to be close to the pace in 48. And, and he said, well, you know, we just need to focus on our horse and, and, and let her run her race and get in her rhythm and, and kind of let the pieces fall from there. That's an interesting tactical question then because if they go 48 they're she's usually on the leader within a length or two. If they go if she goes 48, she's not going to be on the leader within a length or two with, with Authentic and Two Bafferts in the race and Art Collector. I think they're going to be going fast up front. So are they going to just sit and sort of mid-flight and try to make a run from there or is he sandbagging us a little bit or is the Philly just going to take Alvarado there on her own? Those are questions we don't know the answers to, but it makes for a tactically interesting race here because if she comes off the pace a little bit, that might calm things down in up front, and that might be to authentic's benefit
3: yeah yeah interesting uh, the, the twist to this race it 's always interesting when you got a super Philly very proven uh, in the Philly division uh, going up against the boys. wanted to just ask you maybe one more question here uh, uh, off preteness if you will, more about the undercard. We have mentioned a few times how uh, the tri- a different lineup for the triple Crown, however it might suit up it 's such an odd year, of course, with it being run in the fall. Uh, But we did get the four weeks between the Derby and just kind of, you know, looking at the undercard races, the way they filled. Just, you know, maybe a thought about, uh, you know, this experimental year, if you will, about, uh, you know, how the undercard races filled and your observations of them. Well,
7: I I mean, I I think a a number of them came back really strong. I mean, in, in fact, the Blood Horse had an article the other day calling it the... Might be the strongest Preakness weekend card ever, and uh, you know they've added some races to the mix that usually appear in a different part of the calendar from the Preakness, like the the Francis Dash and the Laurel Futurity and the Salima. And uh, I'm at Pimlico, so if you're picking up ambient noise here, that's what it is. Um, it but Pimlico you know, they've added sp- some different races, and and uh, I, I think they came back pretty good. I think they got to be pretty happy with what's come back. And and uh, you know, this is a thing we had talked about because having a little more time between the the Triple Crown races gives you a chance to pick up some of the older and younger runners that maybe you don't normally pick up and. And uh, a little bit of that seems to be going on.
3: Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun to start watching at 11 o'clock as soon as I get off the air. try and run in front of a TV set and catch that that opener. (laughs) Frank, great interview with Ken McPeak. Enjoy the day up there and uh, find out all the recaps for the racing action for Preakness Weekend will be on the racingbiz.com. Frank, happy Preakness Day.
7: Hey, Nick, happy pregnancy to you and great job all year. Another great season of Off to the Races. You you guys did a great job. So look forward to next year.
3: Yeah, Frank Vesper. We'll talk a little bit about that in the sincere so long a little later in the show. What a year it has been for Off to the Races. Thanks, Frank. We're going to go to our first break. When we come back, Jeremy Rose will join us, uh, the jockey who rode a Fleet Alex to that sensational win in 2005. You're listening to Off to the Races.
0: Mm-hmm. VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Across Virginia from the Tidewater to the Shenandoah Valley. From the summer thoroughbred season at Colonial Downs in New Kent to the fall harness meet at Shenandoah Downs in Woodstock. From steeplechase meets like the Virginia Gold Cup at Great Meadow or Foxfield or Middleburg or Montpelier to point to point race action on VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Find them on Facebook. It's a great resource. In addition to live races, Virginia residents can wager horse racing online seven days a week via four Virginia Racing Commission-approved industry partner sites. TVG.com, ExpressBet.com, Twinspires.com, and NYRABets.com. Find out more at VirginiaHorseRacing.com.
4: Live racing has resumed at the Maryland Jockey Club. The Summer 2020 meet is currently being conducted Fridays and Saturdays at Laurel Park under the industry's most stringent health and safety protocols. Although Laurel Park is closed to the general public, fans can watch and wager on the action at laurelpark.com and on the First Bet app, the official betting app of the Maryland Jockey Club. First race post is 12.40 p.m. For more information on the Summer 2020 racing schedule, please visit laurelpark.com.
0: It doesn't matter if you walk, skip, bike, jog, skateboard, or pogo stick. When you head outside, take us along. If you've got your phone, you've got us. Listen to our live stream at ESPNRichmond.com.
6: At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that selecting your new mattress is a decision that's too important to rush. You should only purchase a mattress when you're ready, and you're assured you got the best value. That's why we offer our lowest and best price to everyone, every day. You don't have to wait for a holiday weekend, haggle with a sales associate, or face the pressure of a today-only sale. You can take your time and make a choice that is right for you, knowing that you'll always get our best price. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more.
0: At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't just have a low-pressure sales approach, we have a no-pressure sales approach. At OMF, you'll never feel pressure to buy when you're not ready. You can feel free to shop around, test out our mattresses as many times as you need to, and quiz our team on anything about the mattress industry. We're here to help make your mattress buying experience better, not pressure you into a purchase you're not ready to make. Stop by an OMF store today to experience the no-pressure original mattress factory difference for yourself. If you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, the Prostate Cancer Education Institute of Virginia wants to help. These guys hope you join them in their monthly meetings where men openly discuss their concerns with others who have already been through it. The next virtual meeting is October 7th at 6.30 p.m. To be added to the guest list, contact Burt Jones at BurtJones70 at Yahoo.com. That's BurtJones70 at Yahoo.com. For more info, call 266-7762 or Prostate.Club. The world needs more people who
4: can solve complex problems. At William & Mary, we call these wicked problems. They serve as case studies where teams of intellectually curious MBA students expand their critical thinking and collaboration skills. They also serve as just one example of the experience you'll have if you pursue your MBA at William & Mary through our online or executive weekend MBA programs. If you're ready to progress your career, visit options.mba to learn how you can pursue your MBA through our highly ranked and internationally renowned online or executive weekend programs.
0: What's up, guys? This is Jay Williams from Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. You're listening to Richmond's number one source for sports talk radio and play by play. 995 and 1027 ESPN.
3: Yeah, many of us know Cab Calloway from this movie, The Blues Brothers. So you introduce the opening of the show. Maybe has a candidate for a uh, new state racing song for the Preakness in Maryland. Derby bill will have one we'll offer that up here in about 10 minutes this one is really strong uh, just a quick shout out on some other racing across the country before we get the jeremy rose here extravagant kid owned by perennial colonial downs leading owner david ross is running at keeneland today five to two the morning line favorite the one horse in the woodbird today i think i saw a keeneland where they have three grade ones today so uh the racing at Pimlico today not being done in a void nationally. Also up at, Bel- up at Belmont Park the, uh, Sadler's Joy who is owned by Woods Lane Farm here in Virginia is 7-2 to two in the uh, turf, Joe Hirsch turf classic uh, which is a grade one. They also have Code of Honor uh, who will be running in that race uh, 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 Who is uh, has some local uh, ownership connections a small part here in Virginia. And the Belmont Derby is today as well, another grade one. That always uh, was a race with that three-year-old turf division. I'm sure B- Bill will have an angle on that here in about 10 minutes. But right now, we want to go to Jeremy Rose, who joins us on Off to the Races. Jeremy had one of the more thrilling well, – took part uh, in one of the more thrilling episodes ever in the uh, Preakness, perhaps even in the Triple Crown, when um, the, the scrap at the top of the stretch with Scrappy T um, – with a fleet, Alex, and continued on to win impressively. Uh, Jeremy, it's the 15th year, not to the day or month, as, as 2020 leads us, but it's the 15th uh, anniversary Preakness of that race. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us on Off to the Races this morning on Preakness Day. Um, and, and just, you know, wanted to maybe, uh, his first question out, when you see the replay of that race... What goes through your mind?
6: Well, even to this day, it gives me goosebumps because, of course, this time of the year um, when triple crowns come up, it's kind of hard not to have that race shown with Fleet Alex. So I see it every year, Um, and to this day, it still gives you goosebumps. You know, you see, you know what's going to happen, and yet you're still wondering. you, You still get that feeling, like. That your heart sinks and pops back up. You get excited. Your heart starts pumping. You feel that adrenaline rush, and that's been 15 years now, and I still get
3: that. Yeah, how about, I mean, how about that? When he comes out of the turn, there, it looks like he was like nearly fired out of a gun there, uh, and with Scrappy T, Ramon Dominguez, and, and 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 then full disclosure, just because of the connections with Marshall Dalby, the owner being the owner of a Scrappy T. I spent a lot of time with that camp with robbie bales who was a guest on the show earlier the trainer and ramon dominguez and marshall Dow. uh and scrappy t ran, ran a great race but uh maybe take us back even before the uh the bump at the top of the stretch i mean that was quite a move that was being launched by a fleet alex coming out of the turn
6: well, Alex had one of those kicks that, you know, even to this day, I can't think of a horse that had that kind of turn of foot on that distance. You know, the Yada was one of those that had that big, long, powerful stride. She just kept grinding, and kept coming at you. Where, you know, Alex almost had like a turbo button. You know, if you if you rode the correct race, you knew you could pass whatever was in front of you. And coming up into the turn, everything kind of opened up and you know, top of the lane. I just assumed the way we were rolling that I wasn't even going to pull the stick. I might even save some for the Belmont. And then when, uh, you know, Dominguez went left-handed, I was in full stride, full gear. I mean, we were humming. And when he pulled his left hand, I you know, you got that feeling this wasn't going to go well. And all of a sudden, you know, he's right in our path. And, you know, it's just one of those things that happens at the wrong time of the day, but it worked out for everybody.
3: Wanted to maybe get your thoughts on uh, on last year's derby. Uh, the uh, We just saw uh, Maximum Security race last week. He finished second in the uh, Awesome again uh, out in California. He's still going on a very impressive win by Improbable in that race. But, you know, when you saw the 2019 Kentucky Derby and you saw Maximum Security veer out the way that he did, uh, you know, in, in the culture and the time that we live in with, uh, with so many... Uh, You know, watchdogs um, uh, with the horse groups. uh, You know, whatever you think about that segment of of the industry. You know, uh, what what do you what was your take on? I'd be curious to see what was your take on the Derby last year. Should should uh, should they have taken them down?
6: Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a that's a tightrope, in my opinion. The way the, if I remember correctly, the way the rules written in Kentucky and same way in Maryland, if there is a foul. The horse has to come down. In other states, if there, even if there's a foul, as long as he wins kind of on his own and he was the best horse, you might get the jockey days, but you don't necessarily take the horse down. So he definitely made a foul. I mean, he, he changed course, come out from a couple horses and had a, a, a jockey check. But then he went by 10. So, you know, he was clearly the best horse by, by a lot. But as the rules are written, he had to come down. You know, I to me it looks like he switches leads early in a turn. And every jockey knows when it switches lead early, their momentum takes them out. So I don't think it was, you know, planned or anything like that. I think Louis got a lot of uh, crap over that, and it's just one of those things that it, he saw something or he, he was going so easy, he just took a step out and the chain reaction happened. Derby's always that that race it's, it's just a nasty race to ride. You know, it's one of those that nobody gives an inch. Everybody's trying to win that race and. To be honest, this year I thought it was the cleanest Derby I've seen in a long time. It just looked like nothing happened. It was just a nice ride around a normal racetrack.
3: Yeah, it, it certainly was. Fifteen horses made uh, made for uh, less traffic certainly in that right. stretch at Churchill yeah. Downs. Um, what about uh, a Fleet Alex's Derby uh, effort? He finished third. I want to say he was third in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, it, it's not the first time a super horse didn't fare well at Churchill Downs on the first Saturday in May. You know, what, what's your take on, on maybe a, and maybe throwing the Belmont Stakes there where he was so impressive? Uh, well, you know, what are your thoughts on the other Triple Crown races?
6: The Derby was a bad ride. There's no other way of putting it. I rode... Uh, tactically decent ride and then I never got stopped, but I, Alex was one of those that he kind of took you to a certain spot in hand and then you had that kind of turbo button. In the Derby, every time a hole opened up, I made a move to go in that hole. I didn't let him run his usual race is relax, sit back, let the pace develop, then pick your way through traffic and make that one run. I picked my way through traffic from the backside on and it cost him down the stretch. You know, and I also pushed him down on a dead rail. I knew it was dead, but I was, you know, a lot of times when you hit the moment, you're just trying to win a race. You're not even paying attention so much to what part of the track you know you shouldn't be on the rail yet. You think you can, if you just squeeze it out a little bit more, you'll get that head bob. But it was his rider error. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And he showed it in the preakness by going to his knees and still dry, drawing off. And the Belmont, I mean... That wasn't a rubber match. That was just me being able to show what he was capable of and what he could do when he got the right ride. And I mean, he was he was the super horse that year for three year olds. There was nobody close to him.
3: Yeah, certainly certainly the case. Uh uh, he's he's the by far the most successful horse uh, that you had ridden. Uh, you also had Harv de Grace and uh, and Ben's Cat, some some horses that you rode there. You know maybe maybe a thought of about Ben's Cat, special horse in Maryland. And 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 what are you doing these days? You your career has had a lot of wows and flutters. Uh, you know you came back in 2019 with uh, with a lot of uh, ambition and, and was a lot of success. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your racing these days and maybe uh, about Ben's Cat.
6: Oh, Ben's Cat's one of those horses that wasn't given that big engine, but he had a lot of fight, and he was a very, very nice turf horse. You know, he, you'll never be able to put him with the great turf sprinters, but he was always that hometown hero in Maryland, and he's one of my favorites. I mean, you, you can't really even put him in maybe the top ten best that I ever rode but he's always going to be one of my favorites because of how good he was, how easy he was to ride, how he always showed up every single time. I mean, I can't think of a single race that I think I rode him eight times. I can't think of a race that he didn't show up at. And going into that, that last uh, Maryland Million, you know, I felt truthfully that we had the top, one of the top two Breeders' Cup sprint courses in the country just because he was peaking at the right time. He was on his game. He was fast you know he he set the right pace he set back in mid pack and made one run and uh you know we just didn't have the the um the the funds to get him in there i think they had to pay like 100 grand just to get in the race cuz he wasn't you know declared when he was a baby um sure. but you know he's he'll always be one of the best horses I ever run in Maryland that was that was at Maryland you know his whole whole life yeah. and he'll always be a special horse he's buried there so you know yeah he was a, he was a good one
3: and, and, and career, your
6: and your career yeah yeah last year you know I, I had a lot of issues with the, uh, you know a lot of people have demons their demons don't come out mine do so I came back last year and had a very solid me I think I win like 30 percent at Delaware you know when I don't, I don't remember how many races but you know came back and my weight was starting to get a little ahead of me get a little older now so I've kind of uh, put down roots back here home. I got a wife and a you know five year old stepdaughter. She'll be six this month. And uh, you know working here close to home, I go down to Delaware once a week to work horse for Pecoraro. Um, just enjoy that you know that fun on horses. But, you know we ride at the farm, but it's not nearly the same thing. So I go down there to go and get my adrenaline rush for the day or for the week. <laughs> and that's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah, it's one of those things. People say all the time. You know when you start out racing, you know once you get into racing, you can't get you can't get it out of you. And it's true, those fences around there, they're hard to, to break out of. You still, you know, you may not want to race, you may not want to cut all the weight, but it's hard to just stop racing cold turkey. And I think that's why a lot of jockeys stay in it a lot, maybe longer than they should, or, you know, they try to keep getting that ride. Um, but it's hard, it's hard to give it up. You know, it's like a lot of athletes, they stay in the game a little longer than they're supposed to. And, you know, I think I end it more on my terms than than racing's terms.
3: I, I I can relate. I'm 53 years old and I'm still on the basketball court trying to uh, yep, make some exactly. shots here. So yep. I know I, I could I can relate. Not not inside the rails. Don't get but don't put me there. Right. But uh, <laughs> but certainly on the court. Well, Jeremy, it was great catching up with you about a fleet, Alex, and uh, happy Preakness Day. And we sure appreciate you spending some time with us on off to the races this morning. All right. Well,
6: thank you very much. I appreciate it
3: great. Jeremy Rose on the 15th anniversary of a Fleet Alex's run in the Preakness Stakes. Want to offer up as we get to Derby, Bill here, going to maybe have an opportunity to go at horse by horse and get his thoughts on the Preakness but Derby Bill has, with Maryland My Maryland uh, being retired um, for its controversial lyrics, um, it's, it's kind of a shame you like the pageantry and, and you wish it was another way, but in 2020, it just doesn't work. So uh, it's, it's something that is highly scrutinized, and it's, it's, it's likely the right way of handling it. It leaves the Preakness without a song. So uh, uh, Derby Bill, in our chats throughout the week, has offered up this as a candidate, and it's pretty good. Let's uh, take a listen to That's My Maryland.
2: I want to climb up to the mountaintop where eagles fly above the rocks and ramble with you hand in hand. That's my Maryland.
6: I want to cheer is my own home
2: team score. While the Orioles
3: and the Ravens soar Above the pride of Baltimore That's my Maryland So Derby Bill would uh, maybe ha- be happy about the Orioles there. We're not so sure about the Ravens. He's still a Redskin Bill. You kind of kinda wonder, like, if um, back in the day, if, we ne- if Derby Bill didn't change his nickname, remember he was uh, Redskin Bill, back in the day. Uh, What would we call him now that the Redskins have been dropped uh, as the team name for the Washington team? He would... uh, we'd be lost we could just call him the bill or the bill horse player or something we'd have to come up with something different thank goodness we changed his name to derby bill but it's preakness day today and he joins us now on off to the races good song there derby bill i think it's uh, probably the leader right now in terms of the replacement song for maryland my maryland happy preakness day and if i've if nobody has uh, offered you a crab cake yet today let me be the first
8: yeah, there's uh, there's uh, several words that would have to use a seven second radio delay to describe my nicknames that people have given me over the years. <laughs> yeah, but certainly had, has a few. Brigness Day has started in the infield when I was a young man and uh with uh, brain destroying uh cans of beer and uh dashing on porta potties. So there's a lot of history in Baltimore and uh,
3: I think I've calmed down now and actually just picked the race. Yeah, not uh, a few natty bows ago, I guess. There for uh, Derby Bill, there. Let's uh, let's take a look at the Preakness and a lot of. Lo- we hadn't really talked too much about the local jockeys here, but you have. Uh, Excession accession with uh sheldon russell uh you have uh Karamanis, certainly your favorite getting a nice solid mount with new york traffic watch out for that today uh he'll be running late and could be a player on the scene uh you have jesus's team or jesus's team with uh, toledo aboard and um you also have trevor mccarthy with live your beast life who was uh, supplemented uh into the preakness uh tell us uh you know what's your thoughts on the on the race
8: yeah, basically the the timeline story is Swiss Skydiver, a Philly getting in the freakness is the biggest news, and Ten Colts chasing her, as I mentioned in the newspaper. Uh, it takes me back to my disco days when uh, Ten Colts would always chase a Philly around, around a track. It was just a different track in them days. Uh, Swiss Skydiver, you're Kenny McPeefe special uh, guest there today. Uh, has a good chance to lead. Uh, the the way, race I like is, the way I tried to figure out was uh, who would lead going in the first turn at Pimlico with 11 and a long stretch into the could be the biggest key to this race. Uh, authentic, Art Collector, the Philly Swiss Skydiver, New York Traffic, as you mentioned, and Pneumatic, all could be battling for the first turn, which sets it up to be a race that could shock people with some late runners and uh, it all de- all depends on who comes out of that uh, the Baltimore turn, because there's so many horses that have uh, front-running uh, speed in this race, and there's not really a lot of closers uh, uh, pneumatic, and uh, he might be able to hang around late. You have the two long shots, as you mentioned, Sheldon Russell getting on accession uh for Steve Asmussen, third string in this race, and then you have Trevor McCarthy having a Wang, great year in Maryland, not so great in Virginia, only because we didn't get to run the entire meet. Uh, leading jockey at Colonial. Horatio Karamanis, everybody knows he's special. He will t- try New York traffic. If, if Karamanis, you give him an, an inch, he'll push New York traffic uh, to the front, if possible. I don't know if he has enough speed to do it, but if he does, very dangerous, and I'm taking him as a long shot in this race. He'll come off a derby where he as you remember, he lost a shoe and had a bad its bad race. We'll just put it that way in the Derby finish in a very disappointing ace. But uh, I look for better things for Karamanis and New York traffic today in a, in a race that has a lot of traffic and going around turn one.
3: Yeah, I mean, New York traffic ran the longest distance in the Derby, and uh, Karamanis is certainly a threat. I, you know, our collector is a horse that just looks i'm not much of a pace handicapper but going uh, back and forth with uh, with mike barone a little bit yesterday trying to figure out what what he thought i know he's big on our collector and 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 you just kind of wonder how that how that's going to shake out uh, early in the race what about some of the other races uh, on the pimlico card today um first off Let's get your pick for the because I know people are anxious to get that your official one two three for the for the Preakness, but then also maybe some of the undercard races. Who do you like?
8: Yeah, actually, it turns out my favorite numbers and uh, if you're ever betting uh, some Sulkies in the Shenandoah Downs, uh, the seven New York traffic, the three Art Collector, uh, seven three's always been good to me. Number eight Max Player here might be a late charger there if the speed wears off at the front of the horses. And number nine, <laughs> number, and number nine,
3: 7389. 7389. Okay. Seven, I actually was giving you the winnie there because I like Max Player today. Uh, I like Max Player and Mr. B- Mister Big News here. Um, I, maybe some of the undercard races, uh, I, there's so many of them, I'll, I'll kind of let you just hand out maybe your best bets on some plays before the Preakness where they run the Murphy and they run the, um, the black eyed Susan, which is usually on the Friday. We saw the Pimlico special run, or even if you want to go, uh, off Baltimore and, and pick up any of these other races at Keeneland or at, uh, at Belmont park today. I mean, what a day of racing. This just stakes races all over the place today. Yeah, four minutes
8: to post at Pimlico in race one. Uh There are some scratches because of the yielding turf there. At, uh, if you're a turf racing freak like we are here in Virginia, it's a tough day because of the yielding turf, all the rain they had earlier in the week. But the dirt is fast for the preakness, so don't fear that one. Going up, uh, speaking of turf, the other one I want to mention for you, Nick, is the uh, Virginia Derby North called the Belmont Derby Invitational, which is... uh uh, had Farmington Road targeted for this race out of his Colonial Downs big win, but for some reason he's still on the farm. And uh, Todd Pletcher's not uh, enjoying a lot of Preakness or Belmont today. Uh, horse called Pixie Late, uh, five to one. That's good odds. Gets you about twelve bucks. Uh, the coat looks pretty game in the Delmar Del Derby. Uh, ships all the way east today and. uh I like that one, And a horse called Guapo. Obviously, Goofo I had targeted to the Virginia Derby before our season fell apart here. Guapo should be the favorite in that race with domestic spending, but a uh, excellent turf race at uh, five o'clock, so you can catch that just before the Preakness uh, from Belmont on uh, on the big TV. And uh, just like to cover a big turf race in in honor of a crummy year here in Virginia and Colonial Downs. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's certainly been a tough year. Well, it's been a great season, though, however, on Off to the Races and Derby, Bill. We appreciate you being been there on every show, so I appreciate your um, input. I know the listeners love it, love to hear you on the show. Happy Preakness Day, and thanks for uh, your contribution to Off to the Races. It's been some 20-plus years that you and I have been part of this, and uh, just wanted to express my thanks, and hopefully 2021 will be so much better.
8: Gamblers, degenerates, crab cakes, and horse racing—that's what we do.
3: <laughs> Couldn't say it better myself. Derby Bill joining us, and off to the races. And we're inside the final furlong pole on this season of Off to the Races. It's been such a uh, extensive season. Boy, a lot has happened uh, since we started here. Uh, we had Frank Vespi, who actually started the show, uh, get diagnosed with cancer and go through treatment and is now cancer clean. That's how long of a season it's been. Um, there, When we started the season, there wasn't the first COVID death and there were seven candidates in the Democratic field. So um, just a lot happened the with the cancellation of Colonial Downs, the rescheduling of the Triple Crown, the rescheduling of Racing Everywhere. I want to give a thanks, Uh, I won't get to all the guests, but J.D. Stevens, J.B. Stevens rather, did the opening for us and did a couple of commercials. We had Alicia Hughes and Barry Spears on several times talking about race and racing. Mike Barone is a huge contributor to the show. Frank Vespi, Daryl Wood, Derby Bill of course, Swerved and arrow, worked the board for us. Good luck with the Burger Bros uh, RBA restaurant. go visit that in Richmond and of course Mitchell Bradley. Uh, great job. Matt Joseph also a contributor on the show as well. We appreciate everybody. That sponsored the show and contributed. We'll see you next year. It's been an honor being your host for Off to the Races.
4: From the G Law Firm Studios, your personal injury attorneys. 99.5 and
6: 1027 ESPN.
4: WXGI Richmond. WTPS Petersburg.